Get road trip ready with a service checkup at your local Chevy dealer. They can save you time and money and get the job done right the first time, worry-free. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for current service specials or to schedule a test drive. I'm Raleigh James, and I am uh, filling in for G, and she will be back on Monday. But between now and then, it's just you and me. And, you know, we've been talking about the pandemic, and uh, especially uh, poignant is the economic fallout from it. But, you know, there's another economic tsunami that is affecting us in America that's not quite as discussed, and that's student debt. You know, it's so easy to to say and so hard to do when you realize that it is not unusual to come out of college with six figures of debt. And, you know, heaven forbid you majored in sociology and got a bachelor's degree or something exactly, you know, other than do you want fries with that? How do you use that? Now, it's interesting historically because uh, those of us who are very long of tooth, we uh, in school, half the kids at least took voc tech and went and got uh, got trade jobs and were none the worse off for it. And as the 60s progressed and as Vietnam continued and many people were majoring in I don't want to go to the war rather than anything else, enrollments just ballooned. But even then, you would look at, say, 1970 enrollment and you'd, you'd talk about state schools that might be free and uh, even private schools that might be charging a, a grand a semester as far as tuition. And you look at it now and when you're seeing that the average private school is setting you back about $47,000 a year, you start to say maybe there's another way. And maybe there is. And that's why you're about to meet Ray Kaplan from the Kaplan Law Firm. You can go to financialrelief.com right now. And meantime, welcome, Ray. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I think this is a huge problem, and I think that uh, that you're tackling it is wonderful because, again, not everybody comes out of college ready to be a, ready to be a doctor, or I was about to say ready to be a lawyer. But so many people are graduating from law school today. Even finding a good law school, you know, law job might not be that that easy. And when you're starting out life with six figures of debt, that's pretty daunting. How long has this been going on? Absolutely, this has been going on for a few decades now. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of student debt out there available. And I, uh, I think that the most important thing is for students and parents to plan a little bit ahead. And that's essentially what I do is we create a roadmap and a strategy for people so that they can, let's say you want to go to an expensive out-of-state private school that's going to cost forty or $50,000 a year. There's a way to do it where... The students won't have to make any payments while they're in school, and neither will their parents. These are federal loans that I'm referring to. And then when the payments start to come due, it's just going to be based on a very small percentage of their income, and many times the entire balance of the loan plus all the interest is going to be forgiven and wiped out. So for many people, if done correctly, Let's say you have $200,000 in federal student loans. You may only need to pay back about 50000 over a period of 10 or 20 years and get the entire balance wiped out. So while there is a big issue out there in general in that a lot of people are carrying tremendous amounts of student loan debt, there is a solution. Uh, but the key is knowing how the laws work that govern 
student loans. That's essentially the big the big issue out there because there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of confusion on what's available, how you can pay back your student loans, when you can get forgiveness, and when you can't get forgiveness. And then for those people out there who have mistakenly taken out private student loans, which I always advise people to avoid private student loans like the plague, if you can, just avoid them at all costs because federal student loans are available for parents and for students. There's no need to take out private loans. But if you do already have private loans, we settle those all the time. We actually just had one where we settled. They, I think the, uh, the borrower had about $200,000 in private student loans, and we were able to settle it for a lump sum settlement of $50,000. So right there, that's $150,000 in savings. Um, so there are ways to handle these things that will have a huge impact on on the student financially. Now, I assume when you say settle for $50,000, obviously if someone hears that and says, well, I don't have $50,000, there's probably a way, I assume, to borrow that money in order to pay off that loan? Yes, and sometimes the, the way to go is to to get a home equity line of credit. It's worth it if you can take out a low interest loan or your parents can take out a low interest loan because if you're good, if it's going to wind up saving you $150,000 just in principle right there, you know that it's worth it. I love the idea of a government-backed loan that will, A, work with your income rather than fixed payments, and B, allow a good line of forgiveness. You're the first person who has ever mentioned this to me. Why is this not well known? I don't know. I kind of think that it's um, a secret that the Department of Education is trying really hard to keep close to the vest because they're afraid that everybody's going to take advantage of it. But this is a law that was passed by Congress back in 2004, signed by the president in 2005, and really started to take effect in 2007. And essentially what it does is if you work for a hospital, let's say you're a doctor and you work for a hospital that's a not-for-profit or you're a public school teacher or you are an administrator at one of these hospitals or one of these places, you only have to pay 10% of your disposable income for those 10 years and then the entire balance is wiped out. And for most of my clients, that means that they owe $100,000, they wind up paying back 30000 and then the entire balance is forgiven, tax-free, and then they're not even taxed on that amount that's forgiven. So it really is a fantastic deal, but it's just about compliance with the statute. And to answer your question about why don't people know about this, I think a big part of the problem is that you're a student loan borrower, you call up your servicer to get options, you're having trouble making the payment. The servicer is hired by the Department of Education. Their job is not to tell you how to best save money, all, all the different types of forgiveness that you might be eligible for, or how to pay back as little as possible on your student loans. Their only job is to keep your loans from going into default. So they'll probably steer you into a standard repayment plan or forbearance if you tell them, look, I just can't make the payment. And those things are okay, but there's this whole other 300 pages of the statute that allow you to pay back just a fraction of your loans and get forgiveness. And nine times out of 10, it applies to you. It applies to our WGN listeners. I have a ton of clients, all WGN listeners, and nine times out of 10, we can do this for them. 
we're going to find out more. And uh, I've got a lot of questions. And I bet every time you talk about this, individuals do as well. So if that's you, three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. If you've got specific questions, otherwise, I got a lot of general ones. I'm Raleigh James in for G on WGN Radio. We are talking with some uh, about something, I should say that. I can almost guarantee that anyone who is listening to this, yeah, like you, uh, has someone in their life, maybe it's directly in their family or maybe it's a a friend, but somebody who is dealing with student debt, and I think it's one of the biggest and most underreported financial problems out there. It's just huge. And to hear that there's a way around that, well, that's what Ray Kaplan is telling us from the Kaplan Law Firm. And you can go to financialrelief.com. And you can call us, too, if you've got specific questions, 312-981-7200. Ray, I assume, other than the uh, difficulty in paying it back, this can just wreak havoc with your credit. That's absolutely true. The big thing is not allowing your loans to go into default if you have federal student loans. There are a lot of ways around that, $0 payment plans if you're out of work right now. And right now during the COVID crisis, um, I, I want your listeners to know that the Department of Education has suspended payments for all federal student loans. So even if you're enrolled in some kind of an automated payment plan, your servicer should stop those payments and it they're not even allowing interest to accrue on those loans and that is from march 13th of 2020 all the way through september uh, 30th of 2020 so no payments are due right now because of the covid 19 crisis and even if your loans were in default before march 13th and there was a wage garnishment or you know they were garnishing your wages or taking your tax refund All collection activity has to stop by law March 13th, again, through September of this year because of the COVID-19 crisis. So even if they took money out of your check or took your tax refund and it happened after March 13th, they're going to have to refund that money back to you because they were not allowed to take those funds because of the CARES Act that passed in order to address the the COVID-19 crisis. So right now it's kind of a nice little break from student loans where you just don't need to make payments for a while. No, that is wonderful. If they did that, if they withdrew money, are you going to have to call and deal with getting the money back or will it automatically happen? I would like to say that it will automatically happen, but I think we both know that that's probably wishful thinking. But I have to say, in most cases, we are seeing instances where the Department of Ed or their servicers are realizing that they took money um, after the date that they were supposed to to stop, and they are sending it back. But I, I also think that it's good to be proactive and to call your servicer um, and, and just make sure the money's on the way. For individuals who have already made a payment plan, maybe they've pled their case and they've gotten something, but they're hearing from you the incredible deals that they could be getting. Can you can you go back to the well? Can you revisit it? Oh, absolutely. So you can, there's a great deal of flexibility. So you can switch payment plans. You can have repayment plans recalculated. Uh, we have clients where they're in a payment plan that's a little bit, you know, on the higher side because they're making $80,000 a year and then they've decided to quit their job and go open up a bakery in Florida and they don't have any income. We switch them into a $0 monthly payment plan and there's no downside. And the nice thing is, is that it prevents you from going into default. You're allowed to make $0 monthly payments. 
Um, it's really all about statutory compliance. I really tell my clients to think of it uh, the following way. When you go to file your taxes every year, there's a law that's being applied to you, and that law is the Internal Revenue Code. And in that tax code, there are certain deductions that you can take. And this is the same principle here. There's a federal statute that applies to you and your student loans. And it's just a question of knowing how the law works and taking those appropriate deductions. So it's all about knowing how the law works and taking the best advantage of it. Knowledge is power. Ralph in Antioch, Illinois. Welcome to WGN Radio. Well, thank you. And this conversation you ladies are having couldn't be more timely for me. (laughs) I've got a daughter that is going to be going off to college this fall as a freshman. And I heard you say about different student loans and to do it right from the get-go. And I'm a little uncertain. We haven't committed any loans yet. We just committed to Illinois State University. And they did say that they did send us a packet that we can get a $5,500 unsecured federal loan and that's the only loan information in the packet that's not enough to cover the full year of school so we'd have about another 10 grand that we would need so my question is you mentioned something about some other types of federal loans that maybe parents can get or something and yes, do it right exactly. the beginning. so i want exactly. to find out what the right way to go is so here's what you want to do you want to go to studentaid.gov that's the government, that's the Department of Ed's website. And you're going to scroll down to the bottom and you're going to apply for a Parent PLUS loan. So your daughter only qualifies for the 5500 as you said, but then there's that other $10,000 that you need to cover the tuition. So because she only cover, qualifies for the 5500 that's fine. But you as her parents will qualify for federal parent plus loans that will cover the entire balance of her tuition and you want to check in school deferment so that you don't need to make any payments while she's in school now here's the most important part whichever of you between you and your wife i'm assuming you're married yes makes the least amount of money should be the one who takes out the federal loan and the reason for that is that when it comes time to repay them, the repayment plan is going to be based on the borrower's income. So if you make more money, your monthly payment is going to be higher when it comes time to repay those. If your wife makes less money and she's a borrower, the monthly payment is going to be based on her income and is therefore going to be much lower and you're going to get more forgiveness. But we can help you out with it. If you want us to walk you through it, you can call our office and we'll go through everything with you. That sounds like the idea, Ralph. I would I would do that. 312-294-8989. Right. Uh, 8989. What was the first part? 312-294. Yeah. All right. All right. Good, so good luck. Thank you so much. People, sure. You're thank welcome. You. That's, you know, I think that's what people uh, don't understand is that the student borrower will only qualify for a few thousand dollars because the Department of Ed is looking at what their parents earn, and they use a formula called the estimated family rate of contribution, and then they determine the student isn't, isn't qualified for that much in student loans. However, the parents are able to take out a ton of student loans that, for the most part, most of them won't have to be paid back. 
And that's interesting because I know a lot of people never think about who should apply because they say, gee, well, we're filing jointly anyway, so it doesn't matter. But what you're saying in this is, no, the individual income is what matters. What if one of the parents is a stay-at-home parent? Well, as long as the parent has decent credit, yeah. the rule is that if you can qualify for a Capital One card, even if you're not working, you can oh. qualify for a Federal Parent PLUS loan. So oh. even if you have zero income, and I have clients who are retired and have no income other than Social Security, they have over $100,000 in Federal Parent PLUS loans, and their monthly payment is $0 per month until the balance wow. is forgiven. Wow. Yeah. Susan in Chicago, welcome to WGN Radio, Susan. Hello. I'm so glad you're on tonight. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, The question I have is, well, first of all, I just want to make a comment. You know, when you get these loans, and mine go back many years, they don't give you any um, education on exiting and how this is all going to work when you take the loan, let alone when you have to go in repayment. I'm just now educating myself. Now that it's gone awry, and what has gone awry is I had two federal loans that um, were being uh, taken care of by a servicer here in Chicago, and then the federal government closed all those shops down and made these big federal servicers. And when I contacted them, they said, oh, you don't have two account numbers anymore. You have one. We've given you one account number. And recently when I was talking to someone, um, one of the servicers on the phone, he said, oh, you you consolidated your loan, so they did a restart on your um, time for repayment. I said, I never consolidated them. You did. The big federal servicer did. And so now I have to talk to a supervisor, and I don't know... I want to educate myself ahead of time how to handle this because I would like my uh, loan set back, and they kept my. I didn't realize how much my interest was capitalizing. So I look. I looked at it. I said, "This is getting way out of control." And if that doubles, and that doubles, so now I'm really trying to read everything and educate myself on this. But I, they said, talk to a supervisor. At the, mm-hmm federal servicer, and I don't know that that's sufficient. I want to make myself uh, educated before I make that phone call. Yeah, I say talk to Ray. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I would say the first place to start would be to request the promissory note. So when you consolidated, supposedly, um, you would have signed a master promissory note, which is the contract, and they should have a copy of that contract with your signature. And if you, in fact, did consolidate the loans, you would it, that requires your signature. So they will have the master promissory note, and they should be able to, to send it to you as evidence that you actually owe that debt. And if they don't have it, then they might have an uncollectible debt and right. therefore need to pay it. So that's something you definitely want to explore. Yeah, all wow, right, Susan. I remember signing the promissory note when I originated the loan, but right. not anything. Yeah. They just... Oh, my God. Yeah. And I'm realizing it's going to affect everything that I can buy, everything yep. that I can pay for. And, yep. it's, and um, now I know what they're talking about. It's just, it's it's growing like a monster. And I said, I have to, right. I better figure this out before I even 
But that's we, a good you know, point. We can, help you, we can help you with that, too. And there's another, um, there are really good resources at the Department of Ed to help, you know, unravel this and see what exactly you owe, whether or not it was consolidated. It might be a good thing. If you actually did consolidate it, it might be a good thing. Um, but we can take a look at it for you and, and kind of unravel it for you. All right, Susan, thanks. I okay, appreciate the call. thank you so much, Ms. Kaplan, right. and thank right. you, um, WGN. Yeah. Sounds good. Now, you mentioned something, and I know you probably deal with loans other than than student loans and debts. One of the things that I find, people will get a letter, a collection letter, and it'll basically say that if you don't respond in 30 days, this becomes due and payable, and most people freak out and don't respond. On the other hand, if you respond and say, show me proof that I'm indebted, a good percentage of the time, nobody actually can do that. Well, that's true. And so they, the collection agency, there are rules that regulate collection agencies and the collections of debt. That's actually under a federal statute called the FDCPA. And if they don't send you that letter, then that's a violation of, of those rules. So that 30-day letter they have to send you, and you have to, it's a good idea to respond to yes. the letter and, as you said, to request evidence of the debt. But you want to be careful when doing that to not admit to owing the debt. Oh, oh, absolutely not. Uh, just right. the opposite. Say, I don't recognize this debt. See, please send me proof of my indebtedness. Absolutely exactly. don't send acknowledge me, it. Send me the contract. Send me an itemization. I have yeah. no idea what you're talking about. Exactly. Right, right. And uh, alarmingly for them, many times, uh, you know, they're bottom feeders that that debt has been sold and resold and resold. And by the time you got that letter, no one has that paperwork. And then you are off scot-free. But if you don't answer the letter at all, that debt may become binding. That's right. They could get a default judgment against yeah. you, and then yeah. there's really no way to unravel that. We actually had a situation where we requested evidence of the debt in the promissory note, and this is actually kind of funny. They did not have the original contract or even a copy of They had a copy of the contract, but over all of the relevant terms, they had placed by accident, apparently, some kind of a post-it note with a picture of a kitten <laughs> and then they had made copies and they lost the original so over all the relevant terms and the signatures was just this big cartoon kitten and so it was an uncollectible debt so i mean there are all kinds of things like that that yeah, happen that's great uh, they the contract and it's just not collectible so then you know you can settle it for you know 10 cents on the dollar and settle it for zero absolutely financialrelief.com ray kaplan thanks for joining us absolutely thank you so much